After barely getting over the shock horror that our pre-season picks might not be the role goal players we thought they were, round two gave us some pleasing returns from several premium players who were down on their best in round one. After some knee-jerk reaction moves from coaches after the round one shockers, our elites came out swinging to show us why we hold faith and pay the big bucks for them. While a popular giant brought plenty crashing back down to reality after a heavy Hutchings tag, at least our popular rookies generated plenty of cash and negative break-evens for the upcoming rounds to save our sanity. My name is Migs, and this is the Round 2 FanPod40.com AFL Fantasy Wrap. Okay, so we're going to kick things off first of all with the FanPod40 Team Wrap, and it was a Modest score this week for the team with a total score of 2,145, which uh, put us about the same ranking as what uh, we had at the end of round one there. So 17,724. Captain Tom Rockliffe uh, got us home with 115. So he wasn't too bad there as our top captain pick as well for the round. The trades that were made after round one uh, turned out they were half and half. So we got out Dustin Martin, so after his round one stinker, and got in Jack Steele. Jack Steele did okay with a 96 after another slow first quarter, but uh, Dustin Martin, it looked like the right move to trade him out at the moment because Richmond aren't looking too good in terms of their fantasy setup, and Dusty's looking a little bit lost out there at the moment as well. So I think he ended up with a sub-70 score this round. So that was the right move to make in that case, which I was quite pleased with. However, the other trade that was made was getting out Sam Collins, and that was a big knee-jerk reaction in that case. He probably should have stayed in hindsight. However, he did have that slight concussion test as well, which he may or may not have played and was a bit up in the air at the time. But he was playing his old team, so he did probably have a point to prove as well, playing against Frio on the weekend. However, I ended up getting him out for Oleg Markov. Took a big punt on him uh, for Richmond there. He came in uh, this week uh, uh, for his first game in quite a while, and he didn't fare too well, even though he did get some good time on ground in the back line there. He got 80-something percent, so... Uh, he ended up with a with a 37, where I think uh, Collins ended up with about a 76. So, um, kind of regretting that one at the moment. However, we move on. Uh, on to the plus three and minus three for the team for the round. And my first one, uh, Angus Brayshaw bounced back with 121, which is great to see. He is definitely a premium keeper and a top eight to ten midfielder for sure. Uh, my second one there, they were in the negatives last week, but this week they're in the positive. The Grundy-Gorn combo, if anyone has them, they were glad they bounced back. They almost scored exactly the same there uh, with 112 and 113 respectively, I think. So they combined with a score of 225 there, which was great to see. And my last plus three has to be Jake Lloyd. Even though he's someone who gets the job done every week, I think we kind of take it for granted as fantasy coaches. He ended up with 127 on the weekend, so 
Anything 120 plus from your backman is absolute gold. And Jake Lloyd got the got the job done on the weekend uh, for Sydney. And my negative threes for this week has to go to the first one, definitely Josh Dunkley. Now, he ended up with a score of 68, and this is starting to get a little concerning now. And I'll talk about him a little bit later. But basically, uh, he he got enough time on ground, and also having a look at his heat map after the game, it wasn't like he was stuck in the forward line either. Most of his heat that was coming out was from the back line and right up to the midfield there. So there was really no excuse for that score, um, aside from the fact maybe it's a, a role change in that he's not getting the, the contested in and under possessions that he was last year or in the back half of last year and also those opportunities to get those tackles when he's uh, close in and under as well. So talk a bit, a bit about him uh, in a little while. Uh, my second negative three goes to uh, Alex Witherden, and he ended up with a score of 75. That's just not good enough as a supposed premium player who was supposed to break out this year. He is uh, potentially trade bait at the moment for me. I'm looking to uh, try and get somebody in before his price goes down any further. And my last negative three, and this might be a bit harsh, but my D5 is becoming a big problem. Uh, old leg mark of 37. So it was a big punt, but look, uh, other, most other coaches have either Jordan Clark or Scrimshaw or the person I traded out, um, Sam Collins. So I'm going to have to look at one of those guys this week potentially because uh, at the moment, yeah, Richmond's fantasy game is not up to scratch uh, as it seems. And the round two regrets. I'd have to say is I didn't have too many. The team performed pretty well overall, actually. But starting Bailey Scott over Constable, look, it's rookie roulette each week at the moment. And Constable ended up with 106. Scott, just the 30. So, I mean, that could change week in, week out, basically. So um, the only thing that probably I could have had a look at was that Scott started on the bench this week, or is named on the bench, I should say. Uh, Constable, you know, he did have a really good game and also Geelong had that win. So, look, uh, having a look at it next week, I think Scott has a favourable matchup next round. So it's going to be a, a toss-up between those two once again. I think it's going to be a toss-up most weeks between those two as well. So I have to have a good hard look at who uh, I start in round three between those two. And obviously, what I touched on before, my other regret was trading out Collins for Markov. In hindsight, he probably should have stayed. So that was a knee-jerk knee reaction. Okay, so we're going to be moving into the medical room this week and having a look at some of the injuries that happened over the weekend. And there weren't too many real fantasy-relevant players that would have harmed us uh, out of our uh, team of 30. Too many popular players, I guess, come out of the weekend. It's been really good for the first two rounds, I have to admit. So... Just going to go through a few uh, potential uh, players that did get injured over the weekend, and that may free up some space and opportunity for some of our more popular fantasy players. So the first one, uh, Sean Burgoyne, uh, ended up with a hamstring injury there. He was iced up halfway through the fourth quarter in that game. And look, the, the Hawks have a couple of injuries now 
through that midfield as well. And the next one I'll mention also. But basically, uh, blokes like Scrimshaw and Cousins and these guys who are who are in our fantasy teams and are quite popular choices, they're obviously going to uh, have a better job security um, over the coming rounds, which is only good for us. And the other one was Liam Shields, who was also looked a bit proppy, and he came off halfway through the fourth quarter as well with what looked like to be a hamstring injury also. So there's a couple of blokes who are, you know, play midfield. Burgoyne sometimes floats around in the forward line and the back line as well. So there's, you know, two two premium sort of Hawthorne players that might be out for a little little while that uh, shores up those blokes' uh, job security, um, some of those young fellas. So, I mean... You know it's bad news for them, but it's it's good news for our fantasy teams in that in that case. But um, uh, the other one there, uh, Jack Henry, he uh, got mothballed in the third quarter. So you know Jordan Clark, there's probably his job security is assured. Even though he did play quite well in the second half on the weekend, he was very quiet in the first half, and I think he had a few uh, fantasy coaches worried there for a while, but he came through strong. So. That uh, injury to Jack Jack Henry uh, might have his job security secured for a little while longer. Uh, the other one there, Stephen May, he seemed to limp off in the second quarter, but he did eventually return um, after that for a while, but in the fourth quarter he came off for good. So not sure what's going on there or how long he might be out for if he is out, but uh, that could uh, potentially open up a spot for Marty Hoare. So he might come back into the team, hopefully. Fingers crossed. Uh, Jack Watts was the other one. That was a that was a bit of a horrific injury, that one. So he ended up doing his left leg there and looks like a, looks like a break and he's out for the season in that case. Uh, Carl Amon, he was off in the first quarter, which I was quite dirty on because I had him in my DFS team. So basically once he went down, that was the end of the game for me. Uh, he was he went down with a with a knee injury and he might be out for for a little while. I'm not sure if it was too serious or not, whether it was an ACL or otherwise. But uh, we'll have to check check in later in the week and see what comes of that. Uh, Charlie Kerno as well. So he came off with that right knee injury uh, in the first quarter. It was, it was really early in the game. And Mark Murphy also came off with concussion as well. So he might be a bit touch and go for next week also. Moving into the break-evens now. So I'm going to go through and list the top five negative break-evens and also the top five positive break-evens that we'll be looking at. And especially in these early rounds, we want to try and get our hands on those really low break-evens if possible to try and generate as much cash through the early rounds uh, as those cash cows come through. And the Top negative break even at the moment is Charlie Constable after that massive game on the weekend of 106. That takes him down to a negative 38 break even. So he's going to be making cash for a little while to come yet and probably should be starting on our fields. Uh, the second one there is Willem Drew from Port Adelaide. He's got a negative 32 break even. He played a ripper on the weekend also, ended up with a 90 something. Uh, in the midfield there, so he's filling the role really well. It'll be interesting to see what happens as uh, Ollie Wine's return comes closer. So he might be ready this week or next week, Ollie. See how that goes. Uh, 
another Port Adelaide uh, rookie, number three, Dersma. He's got a negative three, uh, sorry, not a negative three, negative 15 break even at the moment. And he looked really good on the weekend. He ended up tunning up out of the back line there. And look, those Port Adelaide rookies, we, in hindsight, we probably should have started with all four of them, to tell you the truth. But um, if you did, good on you. But uh, he's got a negative 15 break even, and he's going to be making some more money for us. Uh, the Geelong rookie, uh, Myers, he's got a negative 10. And rounding out the top five, Parker also has a negative 10 as well from St Kilda, who seems to be getting the job done nicely there. And look, he's a worthy pick if you've got him on the field at the moment uh, in your forward line. The top five positive break-evens now. So these guys here uh, will probably be, be leaking some cash over the next few weeks, unless they're absolute primos and might be looking to hit some of these break-even targets. But the first one there, Liam Shields, after that injury, he's got 155 break even so he's probably going to be dropping a fair bit of coin but not too fantasy relevant in that case the second highest there is Grundy even after his comeback game he's still got a break even of plus 146 and look he is capable of scoring that but you would expect him to come down a little bit further in price at the moment so if you're looking to pick him back up you might get him at a bargain bargain price the third highest there Stephen Caniglio after that 50 got tagged out of the game by Hutchings on the weekend. He's got 144 break-even. And look, as we've seen in the past, he's every chance to hit that uh, this week, unless he cops another tag, of course. But he should be good for at least a 120-plus, you, uh, you would say. The fourth highest there, uh, Elliot Yo, 142. And look, someone like Yo, he's going to be looking to get into more form over the coming weeks because he did have that interrupted pre-season and I'm assuming the first two, three, four rounds he's going to try and get back into his groove. So he'd be a nice point of difference to get into your teams uh, as the season progresses there because I assume he's going to come down a little bit in price uh, as the weeks roll on and at some point he is going to hit his straps hard and I think he's going to be a great addition to any midfield so just keep an eye on his price see how low he can get and the last one there uh jack mccray he's got 139 break even even after scoring that thing is about 127 on the weekend uh but look 139 mccray can get that any day of the week and i think from memory he plays the gold coast this weekend so he, you could be looking at a at a 140 plus quite easily from mccray so yeah, don't worry too much with uh, his high break even if you have him. He's a keeper. Moving on to some news from the twos. And there wasn't too much to report from the seconds this week. But look, uh, I'm going to start off with Darcy Fort, first of all. And I mentioned him last week as well. But he's backed up his really good uh, game last week with another one this week. Both him and Ryan Abbott were uh, among Geelong's best performers. And they both got a goal each, got plenty of hit-outs. So, look, it's a bit of a toss-up. Reece Stanley's still doing enough to stay in the best 22 for Geelong at the moment. However, if anything does happen, uh, Darcy Fort, I hope we've got on our benches there, can get some game time before the buy rounds, possibly. 
Um, Braden Pruce also played really well in the VFL. Um, look, I think with uh, with Pruce and Gorn, Gorn's obviously had a really good game on the weekend. But I think as the season progresses, potentially Pruce, if he keeps his sort of form up, they might bring him in just to ease the workload on Gorn as they take him into uh, post-buy rounds because, look, he's going to get knocked around most weeks, Gorn, and they probably don't want to fatigue him too much. So they might play the odd game with, with Pruce and him in there. But for the moment, I think he stays out of the team. Um, but, yeah, just watch his form, I guess, over the coming weeks in the VFL. As I mentioned in the preseason podcast as well, I don't think the addition of Proust into the team is going to affect Gorn too much. I think the idea there is to potentially put Gorn into the forward line uh, for resting periods and play Proust in the ruck during that time just to give him a bit of a chop out. I think it, it improves Gorn's time time on ground down the stretch, but we'll have to wait and see uh, how that works if they do play together. Uh, the next one there, uh, Jack Trengove came really good. Um, look, I've always loved this kid, uh, even when he was back as a as a demon, and he racked up 44 touches on the weekend. He had eight inside 50s, 11 tackles, kicked a goal. He was best to field apparently, so it's hard getting a spot in that Port Adelaide team at the moment, especially in that back six is where he would probably play. Even though you know he he is a gun midfielder, and this is you know, a top draft pick that we're talking about. But it's, yeah, it's hard to see him cracking a, cracking a game. But he is listed as a defender in AFL Fantasy. And if he can get consistent games into him, he is an easy 85-plus average player. So I would like to see him keep that form up uh, in the seconds and hopefully he can crack a game and he could be a nice point of difference in our teams if he does end up getting a spot. But there's also a bloke called Hamish Hartlett, who's progressing quite nicely, and that's the next one I want to talk about. He's coming back from that knee reco. He's backed up his first game with another really good game on the weekend. He moved quite well. He uh, gathered 20, uh, sorry, not 20, 16 possessions over the weekend. So he's getting some more match fitness, and you'd probably expect him to potentially come into the team over the next two to three rounds if he strings a few more games together. Um, the next one's interesting for all of those fantasy coaches who have Noah Boulder sitting on their forward line benches there because both him and Garthwaite um, were really good as key defensive players on the weekend in the VFL. So they got exposed a bit, the Tigers, on the weekend with, with Mason Cox down there as the tall forward. And I would dare say that they're potentially going to be looking for a tall defender to, to fill that spot. They, they can't seriously keep going without properly filling Rance's spot down there. You know, Grimes can't play that spot. He had to take care of Dugowie on the weekend, for example. So they brought in uh, Ellis and Markov. And, you know, both players are very similar running defenders slash wingmen. So... I think they might go down a different route this week. I'm not sure if Garthwaite's quite ready for the ones, but we've seen that Bolter is, and he could be the one to, to take that opportunity and fill that spot, hopefully. So just watch when uh, teams drop 
this week and uh, hopefully Bolter is named. Uh, the other interesting one was Riley West uh, from the Bulldogs there, father-son selection, racked up 19 touches, kicked a goal, which is nice to see. I'll keep my eye on him as a downgrade option later in the year. And also uh, mature ager Will Hayes, also of the Bulldogs, had 22 touches and kicked a goal as well. So he's progressing nicely. If anything happens to those Bulldog midfielders, he could potentially get a spot there. However, the Bullies are travelling along very nicely at the moment, and I wouldn't expect him to crack the team this week. Moving into our rookies and our pod watch now, and just having a look, and as I mentioned earlier, we have some really good rookies on offer at the moment who are performing for us, and they're popular rookies as well, which most teams should have, and if you don't, try and get them in either this week or next before they start really going up in price. But Charlie Constable, 106 on the weekend. Willem Drew, 92. Petrocelli came good with a 74. He played really well on the weekend and showed that dash and carry that the West Coast have been looking for. Uh, Myers, Mears, however you pronounce it, from Geelong, had a 73. And Scrimshaw also had a 73. I'll be looking at Scrimshaw this week as well, very closely. And Jordan Clark had a 70. So all those guys are really high percentage uh, rookies of ownership in fantasy teams. Don't be afraid to start them on your field, depending on their matchups from week to week. Um, however, if you don't have any of those six plus blokes like Parker and the Port Adelaide rookies, try and get as many of them in as possible uh, before they basically become too high in price. So... They still have really low break-evens, so it's still worth getting them in. Um, they are still going to make you money, okay? And their job security is really good as well. Uh, moving on to the uh, pods now. So these guys are the blokes who have the relatively low percentage of ownership but have been chopping it up over the weekend and are in hot form. And we had, uh, first of all, Jack Crisp. He's only seventy, uh, sorry, 7% of teams at the moment. And he scored 142 on the weekend. Looked really good. He can have those down games, but he uh, he also had that really high-scoring game in the second JLT. So his role's looking really nice down back there at the moment. And I think the new rules are also aiding him in that. Uh, Lockie Neal came good with 146, and he is in just 8% of teams at the moment. I would expect that uh, percentage to go up slightly as well because a lot of people were keen on him in the preseason but jumped off mainly because of his kick to handball ratio there in the JLT series so we weren't too sure about uh, how he was going to go there however he still has a high ceiling by the looks of things after last round Travis Boak is still a very interesting one he backed his big uh, 144 score in round one with a 138 on the weekend and he is still in just 6% of teams at the moment. And you can get him as a forward mid DPP. Look, he is the informed forward at the moment. And he's probably the one that people are looking out for the most. He's over 700k now though. And you might be paying overs for him. Expect a bit of a an average correction to happen within the coming weeks. Obviously, he's probably not going to keep that average up. However, he quite easily go over 100 average. He's never had over 100 average in his career for fantasies. So it'll be very interesting late in his career as he is now to for him to do this. But, you know, the role is very favourable that he has 
for Port at the moment. Uh, the next one there, Chris Main is in just 1%. He scored 131 on the weekend. He can have those games as long as the matchup's right, but not particularly fantasy relevant. Brad Hill, he's been really good so far. He's turned up in both games, and he uh, backed it up in round two with a 129. And he's in just 1% of teams as well, so he'd be a nice point of difference. He's still relatively cheap. And Dane Beams is in just 4%, and he racked up 128 on the weekend as well. So all those Pies players got plenty of touches on the weekend. And look, they are probably the most fantasy-friendly team in the competition. I saw some stat floating around that they uh, broke some record for the past how many years of fantasy points in a round. So look, those midfielders... Don't worry too much about having too many of them in your team because I think the more of them you can get in, obviously the better because, um, yeah, they're definitely sharing it around in the midfield there. Okay, so moving on to some trade talk now and just a couple of pointers or reminders for fantasy coaches to remember is there's still time to get those low break-even rookies in. So don't think just because they've, uh, risen, you know, 30, 40, 50 plus thousand at the moment, they still have a low break even. So you can still make money off them. If you can get them in, get them in. There are those guys that I mentioned just before who have great job security and don't be afraid to start them on the ground. So there's still time to get those guys in. Get the mid prices out that haven't worked so far or have a high break even. So that's your next priority. Obviously, injuries are your first priority, but there's not too many of those, as we mentioned. Um, but yeah, any mid prices that you have in your team that you've gone, okay, that was a risk I took pre-season. It's not going to work or it hasn't looked like it's working out. They've lost a bit of money or they're just plateauing at the moment. I don't like their role in the team. Get them out. And if they have those high break evens, they, yeah, they're, they're just going to lose your money. So you want to get rid of those guys. And it's probably the last chance if, it hasn't been already, but probably the last chance for premium players to do something in round three. So if you don't have anything else to do in your team and you've got a premium player there, <coughs> Josh Dunkley, that hasn't performed so far, you've got nothing else to do in your team, then yeah, you probably could look at trading him out and trying to get him to maybe a boke or or someone that's that's performing in the forward line there. So, But generally, I like to give him three rounds to come good. Uh, basically, I, I try. I, I think back to Sam Menegola last year, where he, he stunk it up the first couple of rounds, and then, and then went nuts in the third round, and so on for the rest of the year. So, I'm hoping someone like a Dunkley can do that again. Um, but yeah, if, they, if they're not performing after round three, you've definitely got to target them because they're just going to keep bleeding money on you. At the moment. Early trade ideas for the fanpod40.com team looking at uh, Witherden potentially out. And I'm looking at Tommy Stewart as an in at the moment. He's been on fire the first two rounds. He's turned up, turned up in both games so far. And I'm really liking his role in Geelong. The only worry I do have with Tommy Stewart is how he gets affected once Zach Tui comes back in. Obviously, he's the number one guy at the moment coming out of defence. And he's pushed quite far up onto the wing at times. You see him there taking those plus sixes, but I do like his game at the moment. 
and as it is I can uh, do a straight swap for those two if I wanted to. He also made a great point of difference as well so I'll take a good hard look at that and the other one I'm looking at as as I mentioned earlier was was Markov getting him out. He was in there for a week but I have realized that this was an instant regret and potentially Scrimshaw uh, might come in for him. He has a he has a low break even scrimshaw. I think it's a it's either a negative two or a plus two break even, but it's very low and he's going to make uh, plenty of money in the coming rounds, hopefully scrimshaw. So I'm going to hopefully ride that wave for a little while until I can upgrade him in the future. So I'll take a look at him. Uh, the other one I was thinking about was was Dunkley getting him out. However, I might play the three round rule on him and just keep him for another round and the only reason I'm thinking about that is because I had a quick look at his fixtures for the next four rounds and he's got some really favorable matchups coming up so he's got Gold Coast this week followed by Collingwood who you know most teams do score quite well on Collingwood uh, fantasy wise um, not so much Richmond but anyway um, Carlton he's got after that and then Frio so he's got potentially three out of four teams there that could finish in the bottom four we're looking at. So he's got some good good matchups, and that's probably going to save him, I'd say, at the moment. The other one I was thinking as well is uh, Noah Bolter or um, Marty Hoare to any fresh, uh, fresh rookies that might come in. So if there's any fresh rookies that, that might come in this round, that, that 170K, I might think about maybe getting one of uh, those guys out and, and getting a fresh rookie in just because uh, if if they're not named this week, either of those two, then they might not get named for a little while. And we don't want stagnant players sitting there not making us any cash. So that's another one uh, I need to think about and, and have a look at. Hopefully Bolter does get a game though and uh, and they bring in a tall defender, Richmond. Looking now at the captains for round three, potential captains for round three. And you can also check this out on the website at fanpod40.com. But last round, we'll just do a quick recap of the captains from round two. Number one was Rockliffe. He ended up with 115. Number two was McRae with 124. Oliver was three. He scored 130 against Geelong there. Nat Fife ended up with 119. And in fifth place was Trelaw, and he racked up 152. So he had a straight set of tons there, which was great to see. So any of those guys would have made great captains uh, last round. And also looking back at the percentage of the coach's choice for captains is always interesting as well. So I'm just going to read out the top five captains that were picked in terms of percentages from round two. And at the top of the list was McRae, and his 22%. So 22% of teams had him as captain. Rockliffe, 13.8% was the second highest. Grundy, 12.7%, which was a bit surprising because he was playing Richmond and he did stink it up in round one. So would have thought he would have been a bit lower than that. But teams stuck true with him and he came through. Uh, the fourth highest there was Coniglio. He had 9.3% and he really stung those coaches with that 50. So... A lot of coaches would have made up ground there um, if they didn't have Coniglio as captain. 
And the fifth highest picked captain from round two was Paddy Cripps at 7.6%. So over the weeks, we'll keep doing this and see if we can see a bit of a trend going on with our captains. This round, so for round three, these are the guys I'm looking at uh, as captains that I like. And I'll start with number five. And I do like the looks of Travis Boak at the moment. He's got a 99 average over his career against Brisbane and 102 average at the Gabba. So he makes for a really good pick. And look, Brisbane, Brisbane are on the rise, but they're not that good at the moment. So I think he should still have a really good game there. They don't tend to tag either at the moment, Brisbane. So he should uh, rack up the points there and get an easy ton, I would dare say. Uh, my number four this week is Lockie Hunter, and he's been quietly going about his business behind Jack McRae. He's got a 101 average against the Gold Coast, and we all know how many points the Gold Coast are bleeding at the moment. So that should be a fairly easy one for him to rack up behind Jack McRae there. And he also has an 89 average at Marvel Stadium. Don't be too concerned with that. He's a great point of difference, Lockie Hunter. I like him. My third captain choice is Maxi Gorn, coming off uh, the back of an improved round two score. And he has a huge 114 average against Essendon. Tommy Bell Chambers is lazy. Make no mistake, Gorn will have another big one this week. He's got a 92 average against uh, on the MCG. So he should be good this week as well. Number two, Paddy Dangerfield. Um, now, this is a bit of a revenge game for him. Grudge match against his old team, Adelaide. He's got a massive 128 average against them and 108 average at Adelaide Oval. So expect him to be red hot this week. And he is also my loophole choice because they play on the Thursday. So most teams do have Dangerfield there and I'll expect a lot of teams to put Dangerfield in as their loophole captain. Obviously, if you want to go a little bit different, any of those Adelaide midfielders would make great loophole choices as well. Sloan and the Crouch brothers as well. They all look good. And some some teams may even go for Kelly as well, just as a bit of a point of difference there, see if he can rack up a big score. But my number one captain this week against Gold Coast has to be Jack McRae. He's got a 118 average against them and 101 average at Marvel Stadium. Look, he's good as a lock as any uh, to go 100 plus, and he should quite easily crack the 130 this week without any doubt. So that's the top five. Check them out at the website. And that's round two all wrapped up. Thanks for listening, guys, and I hope you fared a little better in round two from any advice taken after the round one wrap we had last week. Every week we update the website fantasy resources section and have now uploaded the post round two power rankings along with some break-evens, informed pod players, and our top five captain selections for the upcoming round. Go and check it out now at fanpod40.com, where you can download all our other fantasy podcasts throughout the season. If you have any fantasy-related questions throughout the week, you can hit us up on Twitter with the handle at fanpod40, and we'll be happy to answer those questions on the next episode of the podcast. So keep them coming. Best of luck for round three. Remember to keep the faith in those premium players. They will come good, unless, of course, they've had a massive role change and you're not liking the look of them early in the season, then maybe, just maybe, it's time to let them go. Thanks again, guys. Catch you all next Monday.